Welcome to Sliding Doors, the podcast that delves into the decisions and moments that shape our lives. I am Jenny Becker, and throughout my life, career and relationships, I've always been fascinated with the notion that everything happens for a reason, alongside my love for the 90s movie classic, Sliding Doors. Have you ever really thought about those moments that shaped your life? Those decisions that could have gone either way in the opportunities presented to you? What if you had taken that job? or told that person in high school how much you liked them. Each episode, I will talk to some amazing people from all walks of life and chat about their sliding doors moments. We will reflect on how a decisional moment changed the course of their lives and how things might have looked if they had never happened. This episode is sponsored by Riverside. Now I started using Riverside about five months ago and it's been a real game changer for the podcast. I record remotely from my home studio and it really allows me to get brilliant audio quality as it records remotely with all of my guests. So even if their Wi-Fi isn't perfect, the audio quality always remains the same. It records high quality videos and a new feature it has is AI transcription. So it auto generates transcripts perfect for editing in over a hundred different languages. And our sliding doors list are in for a treat. If you visit Riverside FM and use the code sliding doors, you'll get an exclusive 15% discount off any Riverside individual plan. You can start for free by clicking the link on the show notes and use the code sliding doors whenever you are ready. Have fun. Now on with this week's episode. My guest today is Shante Joseph. Shante is a writer, journalist, presenter, and the host of the Guardian's Pop Culture Podcast, and frequently writes for publications including British Row, Galdem, and the Huffington Post. Whilst a student at Bristol University studying social policy, she held multiple roles at the Bank of England, became a delegate at the Powerless Foundation, joined the British Youth Council, and was the chair of Bristol Labour Students, just to name a few. A versatile journalist, Shante writes for publications including The Guardian, The Eye Paper and Vice, with her work ranging from celebrity interviews to cultural commentary and first-person reportage. Shante also presented Channel 4's How Not To Be Racist for two seasons, and she is a skilled public speaker and regularly gives keynote speeches and host panel discussions. She has collaborated with brands such as Bumble, Adidas, Spotify and YouTube as a content producer. If that wasn't enough, Shante is also currently working on her first book, A Quick Ting on the Black British Power Movement. A rising star in one of PodPod's faces to watch, I am so excited to hear all about the moments that have shaped her life so far. So welcome to Sliding Doors, Shante. Hi, that was such a great intro. Ah, so much in there that I, I even forgot about. I know, you've done it all, so I, I just <laughs> used the content I had. Um, I'm I so it. happy to chat to you today. I actually saw you on a panel a few weeks ago at the podcast show and was like, I've got to get this girl on the podcast. So I'm so glad we managed to make it work. Um, and I guess I wanted to start off, I've just given an introduction to you there, but how would you describe yourself to our listeners? Um, I think like you definitely had it down because I do a little bit of everything like and I'm a freelancer and so when you are freelancing unless you have like a very specific thing that you do you kind of are just juggling lots of bits and bobs within the creative industry and outside of it too so it's like as much as I do like writing I obviously host this podcast at The Guardian and then outside of that I'll be doing like events whether I'm hosting events or I'm on the panel for an event or I'm like consulting or you know I'm always just like wherever my skills can take me I'm gonna do the work that is required because you know these bills aren't gonna pay themselves so yeah <laughs> stay busy And have you always been someone that likes to do lots of different things and not just do the same thing every day? 
Yeah, a hundred percent. I feel like any, when I first started working and I, I know we'll go into this, but like, I always just found it so hard, like going into an office, doing the same things every day, having the same tasks every week, like routine, like was not good for me. I just didn't, I didn't enjoy it at all. It was mm-hmm. not a bit of me at all. And so I think like my life now, as much as it is busy and it is stressful, it just feels a lot more fulfilling and better for my brain. Like, I feel like there's always something new and exciting to look forward to. And I don't feel particularly like pigeonholed by anything. And that's, always what I've kind of aspired to to do and to, and to have it as a lifestyle basically definitely and it's it's interesting isn't it because at school I think we think the only option is to kind of sit in an office job especially like growing up it was like that's how you imagine life and work life to be and it's so great that you can kind of find what works you and I think it's more it's more what people do know isn't it that adaptable working flexible working and working Mm. in lots of different things and for people to see that you can make such a success of it is really good inspiration yeah, no, it is. I think a lot of people have a standard idea of what working is. I think that's definitely changing now, particularly people online on TikTok, you know, talking about this is the day in the life and X career that, you know, you didn't know existed like five years ago. And so I think there's a lot more transparency now. And it is important that people talk about different ways of working because not everything fits for everyone's like brain or their style or even their skills. So yeah. it's like, it's good to talk about. Of course. And how long have you been hosting the Pop Culture Podcast for The Guardian now? Um, since last November, I think November was the first episode that we put out. And so it's basically, yeah, gone on since then. Like we had a little bit of a break between Christmas, uh, and March, and then we kind of got back into the swing of things. And so we've been going weekly since then. And then we have like a little break in the summer and then we go weekly all the way until, March of next year so it's crazy it's busy yeah and I I love it so much and I wanted to ask do you come up with the themes and topics like how much freedom do you have to talk about what you want to discuss oh it's so much freedom like uh, most of it 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 has to come from me right because I'm Mm -hmm. presenting it and so I can't present on something that I don't care about I'm not interested in I'm not passionate about um when we decide on a topic we meet every single Thursday and we kind of come together with things that we've seen things that we've liked interesting topics and discussions that we like to explore and then from that we kind of develop what the podcast will look like who our guests will be how we want things to flow and so a lot of that yeah it does come from me I'll be like I saw this thing this week or I saw this thing next week or my producer will be like you know this show is coming out like do you like the show would you want to talk about it? and I'm like oh my god yeah I do love the show so at the like everyone has ideas but the the final say is always me because I'm going to be the one that has to do all these interviews and be interested and carry an audience throughout the whole episode so it's like a lot of freedom on me and I think that comes across a lot because I notice very much when I listen to you that you're so curious and you're interested and again if you were just told what to do you wouldn't so it, it works so well and I love that kind of your personality your interest and your curiosity comes through as well yeah, it's so good. And I think like not a lot of people, especially when you're working with a publication, kind of have that that freedom. Mm-hmm. Whereas like because anything is pop culture, like anything can be a topic. And so it means that we have such a broad sort of like genre to pick from. And so we yeah. get we can just tell really interesting stories and I can always find like a personal link or experience yeah. or idea about it that I can use the episode to like further delve into. Yeah, that's so great. And taking it back then to when you were younger, what were you like growing up and what was the dream? What did you want to be when you were little? I think when I was younger, gosh, there were so many things I wanted to be. A lot of them were probably influenced by other people. Like I had a friend who wanted to be an actuary. And so I was like, oh, I want to be an actuary. I didn't know. I didn't even know what that was. I just wanted to do it. What's an actuary? Someone that works in like finance, like it's like a financey thing. A Ah, finance, okay. 
And I was like, yeah, I'll do that. I actually didn't never want to do that. But I was always really interested in like activism. I did a lot of activism when I was younger, like things like UK Youth Parliament, all of those sorts of organisations, a lot of like youth advocacy work. So I was really interested in the politics side of things. But then I also was very like aware of how black women in politics were treated. And so I was a mm-hmm. bit like, I'm not really trying to do all that because like I don't have the I don't have the um the the ability to censor how I feel. And I just think I would I would get slashed by papers or whatever. <laughs> So I was like, that's never going to happen. I always had an interest in like the creative arts. I used to do a lot of drama, a lot of dance. I was in a band. I was like, oh, maybe I could oh, be a musician. But we were like, all in a like, band, weren't we, at some maybe. point? Maybe. Like, I was like, this is too much work. I don't want to do all that. Um, and basically, yeah, I think I just tried everything. Well, I, I had an interest in everything. I've never been able to really focus it down. And I think that was probably the biggest issue I had growing up was like deciding what, I, what it is I wanted to do. I don't have a clue. Mm-hmm. And I think that not having a clueness was worrying because I kind of felt like I was always doing stuff I was interested but never really sure of the end goal and now my career is kind of like several things all in one anyway so I've kind of I'm kind of living the dream in a way because there was nothing that I was 100% fixated on um and I've kind of just done what interests me yeah like a mishmash of everything that you love and I think like when I was looking at kind of all the things you did when you were at university I think this is this really makes sense now because you just threw yourself into doing absolutely everything and was that in a kind of bid to really figure out what you wanted to do with your life it was more just that I was interested in it like when I like for my uni I used to um, run the like African and Caribbean society just because I was interested in interest in the culture Mm -hmm. I love doing on events you know I started my own uh publication at uni just because I wanted a space for black students to write about their experiences and I was like yeah I'm gonna just do that and then I was like you know I'm really interested in labor and the election was coming up and I was like campaigning a lot for Jeremy Corbyn at the time and I was like cool I'm gonna join be chair of my labor society and do lots of labor stuff and basically just wherever I find I found I had an interest I would just explore it or pursue it or look into it um and so that's kind of how I just racked up this like random array of like activities and interests and groups and positions and stuff it's so great because I think a lot of the time we all talk about all this stuff but we ever never actually put ourselves in it to action it and actually that's the best way to you know not only just kind of like do your interest but enjoy life and enjoy the life that you're living and it's so good that you managed to do all of that because actually yeah it led you to kind of figure out what you wanted to do yeah, exactly. And I think it's easy to kind of, to just have an idea of something and be like, oh, I'm going to leave it. But sometimes you don't have to do something massive. It could just be small, like yeah. just dip your toe in the water or something and mm-hmm. see how you feel and go from there. Like never feel like you need to take on the huge responsibility or burden of starting something new when you can just see what it's like from someone else's perspective, from someone else's event, you know? And I exactly. think that's about it. Exactly. And you mentioned before that you kind of are a freelance journalist and writer. What would you say then is the best and worst thing about being freelance? Um, I think like like everyone knows, the sort of like flexibility, I guess, like, you know, on a Wednesday at like 2pm, if I don't have anything on, I can go get my nails done. And you do, you kind of can just live life on your own terms but at the same time you're still kind of beholden to the work that comes to you and I think mm-hmm. there can sometimes be a bit of like a bit of a scarcity mentality when like work isn't coming in and you're panicking and you're like oh my god how am I gonna afford my rent how am I gonna live how am I gonna pay these bills um when like you know you do work and you don't get paid for ages you spend forever chasing invoices you spend forever hitting up editors or whoever it is trying to get your money from the work that you did ages ago yeah. that's really stressful 
successful. Um, and I think it's like, as much as you do have freedom, you do kind of always want to make sure that you're available. And that's a tough thing as well, because when it comes to planning holidays or travel, you're like, what if I miss out on these opportunities? What if, do you know what I mean? So it's, there's mm-hmm. there, you limit yourself a lot because you're really scared of what might not or might happen in the future. And so you kind of live in this weird sort of limbo of like every single time I treat myself to a nice holiday or whatever, I could potentially be making a sacrifice. Am I okay with that? And so I think there's so much future planning that you have to do, which does feel quite overwhelming. Yeah. And do you feel like as time goes on, you can deal with the the kind of obstacles like, you know, waiting ages to be paid or kind of work, like being, you know, not always being there. Have you learned kind of things to cope with those things when they do or don't happen? I think like I, um, I want to say I'm, I'm learning to cope because yeah, I still, that's good. Really wrong. Yeah. I still get stressed out. I still am like, oh my God, I'm, I'm not going to make any money. I'm gonna lose my but that's just human, isn't it? Everyone yeah, feels that way. Always like I always get into that thing of catastrophizing and you know falling into bad habits and stuff. And so I think like yeah, it's it's it can be really overwhelming. And I think I don't know if it ever goes away. You know, unless I mm-hmm. unless I won the lottery or I had mad money like yeah. just chilling left over that if I don't work I'm fine. But even building that up takes so much time. And in the middle of like a cost of living crisis where my rent, my bills, everything's gone up, it's like so difficult to screw away that like you know rainy day money and stuff. Yeah, it's hard. And I guess like you always just have to balance kind of what works for you. And when you kind of look at what really drives you in your life, in your career, what would you say that is? What's your kind of like inner drive? Gosh, I think it's just like to do stuff and to like have autonomy over my life. Like Mm -hmm. ideally, like I don't work well in a kind of nine to five structure. And I think what drives me the most is having this freedom. Mm -hmm. I really to experience life to the fullest I don't want to be I don't want to have like constraints I don't want to have restrictions I don't want to feel like I'm kind of living to work and I think what drives me is like how can I sustain a life that works for my brain how can Mm -hmm. I sustain a life that allows me to enjoy the things I've always wanted to do but never had the the chance or the experience or the income or the time like for me it's just about like really trying to live so I love that. And we all have to figure out what works for us and kind of what makes us tick. And I love that you're kind of, you know, on that journey, but really kind of started to figure out what that is for you. And do you set yourself goals when it comes to your life and career? Like, do you say like, you know, I want to be here and then, or do you, are you a bit more fluid with how you let kind of things happen to you? I definitely have goals, things I want to achieve, but they're very agile and they will change a lot. Like every year I will kind of like be like, these are the things I want to achieve this year. Like, if I don't achieve it, it's not the end of the world. Cause I yeah. think I'm, I think when I think about my, my life and even my career, my trajectory, like I've never really had a plan. Mm-hmm. Like things have kind of happened the way they've happened. And I, I feel like I'm really good at just like accepting where I am now and then figuring out what the next step is or taking an opportunity that puts me in a different place and then seeing where that goes. Like I, I'm not rigid with myself because I also just don't want to continuously experience that like disappointment when things don't happen or mm-hmm. I don't want to have high expectations for things and then they fall through. Like there are things that I'd, I'd like to happen. It'd be really great if I, you know, could make enough to, you know, own my own home or something like that. But it's like- You can manifest I, I, it. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. you know- if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Like, mm-hmm. I just feel like, what what else can I do realistically? I don't want to put too much, like, pressure on myself to achieve these huge things when and, and lose myself in the process and not yeah. enjoy my life and not have fun and not experience things and be fixated on a goal and miss out on other things that I might enjoy, I might like. So um, I do, I, I am, I, I have 
big goals and big dreams and whatnot, but like I'm not beholden to them to the yeah. point where I'm like, I'm going to make these decisions that could lead me in a different, more prosperous, more fruitful way because I'm fixated on on one thing that I imagined up for myself. Yeah. And I guess it's about kind of being driven, but adaptable. And I'm, I'm kind of similar to you in the sense of, you know, that you get to a certain age, it's like, you should own a house. And it's like, but I don't want to own a house right now. I kind of, that isn't where I want to be, but it's in my goals of life. But Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of living the life I want to live now. And it may not have been where I thought I'd be, but you can adapt to that along the way. And I think as long as, as you say, you're checking in with yourself every now and again, to make sure you're on the track you want to be on, that's Mm. kind of the best place to be. Yeah, yeah, for real. Don't don't put all of that pressure on yourself, honestly. Especially because of the way things change. Bloody hell! Oh, like some of the goals the that we have for ourselves. Yeah, some of the goals we have for ourselves were standards back when, like, a Freddo wasn't six pounds. Do you know what I mean? Oh it's just like times change, economies change, society <laughs> yeah. change, cultures change. Yet the goals that we have for for ourselves are still rooted in ideas that were before our economic period of time. Mm. I think it's so important like to really contextualize what it is that you want from life about harking back to an idea that really wasn't yours like are your goals even your own like who yes. do they really belong to like and how why do you desire this thing as well like interrogating the things that you want to see if you actually do want them it's so important because then it you really get something is. and then you're not satisfied because mm-hmm. you never really wanted it in the first place you just felt like you had to have it because that's what you know generations before you said that you needed to have and so I think like even with freelancing as well it does seem like a bit of like a sort of crazy career but at the end of the day like no one else the only other person I know kind of in my family that freelancers is like is my dad and you know he's a he's a uh, like a web developer and like it was through him I saw oh freelancing was a thing but if my dad wasn't doing something like this then I wouldn't even know it was a career and so maybe mm-hmm. I would have had a, a goal that was like oh I want to achieve this thing and I didn't even know what other options were av- available or open to me so it's like yeah it's really important to like contextualize things and and think about where you where you're at and what you can do with what's around you now for sure I could talk about this topic for ages because I agree with mm-hmm. you I think as well like we're all attaining these big goals and then actually when you get there they don't even feel that satisfying because you don't even know if it's what you wanted um yeah. so before we get on to talking about your sliding doors moments I wanted to ask you what do you believe in when it comes to then the sliding doors theory what do you believe in when it comes to kind of like fate timing coincidence um hard work what are your beliefs I think it really d- does depend on on the situation. So, like, if I can give an example, when I think about like finding love or like you know meeting your life partner, I I think a lot of that is luck. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, I think it you can work on yourself to the nth degree. Like, you can become the most self actualized human being with like low neuroticism and great understanding of yourself and your attachment and be the most complete human. But it's like meeting the person you're supposed to be with is very much luck as much as it is you working on yourself to become, Mm -hmm. you know, this complete partner for someone. And so in instances like that, I think it's like, it it really does depend. Whereas I feel like in something like your career, yeah, there is a lot of hard work. There is a lot of like focus that happens. And then when you're in a position where you can elevate or move up, then that hard work comes into play. But even sometimes the positions to to move up are based on luck and chance as well. And so Mm -hmm. I don't really like, I think it's really easy to beat yourself up if you're not at a particular position or in a particular place. But at the end of the day, it's like, not that our fate is written out for us, but it's just like, 
not everything is in your control. And someone isn't better than you because they are further ahead than you, but they just mm-hmm. were in a certain place at a certain time and had access to the right people and the resources to make things happen. And so I think it's really easy to 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 feel overwhelmed at like where you are in life or where you're going, but not considering that like some things are really just like out of your out of your hands you know there are probably yeah. people around the world who are not in living like not not as not I'm not well off but you know, you know aren't in a country like the UK where they kind of have the like mm-hmm. social mobility and economic structures and or and whatnot and so they could be just as talented as I am but the opportunities aren't there it doesn't mean exactly. I'm better than them yeah doesn't mean I'm hard, more hard working than them absolutely not absolutely not I just happen to be here in this country mm-hmm. with access to a free education with access to free and it do you know what I mean I, I'm very aware of the privileges that I have by living and existing in this country and how they've they, they've benefited me and put me in the position that I am today and and as much as yes that's got to do with like hard work and networking and whatnot it's also just a matter of my circumstance which I'm just yeah. lucky to be born into so yeah definitely it's like hard work meets opportunity I think it's such yeah. a good point that you make because I think it, it's knowing that you know when the luck does come your way you're ready for it I guess but yeah. I also think you're totally right I think sometimes it's just a meeting of you know the timing is correct and you need both of them I think in order to have these sliding doors moments fully agree with you with love because with love as well you can work really hard on yourself, but what happens if the person that's right for you hasn't worked on themselves and they're not ready to meet yet? There's so much yeah. that's like in the control, but I guess it's always just having the belief that, you know, if you try hard, things will kind of come your way. Um, yeah. And that takes us on to your first sliding doors moment, which is quitting your job and going freelance. So mm-hmm. this is a real life changing moment for anyone, but it sounds like for you, it really changed a lot for you. So tell us why, when and how you quit your job. So it was during uh, lockdown, in fact. It's so mad how, like, I just... The pandemic just, like, changed the trajectory of my life. I was really... I was, like, in the longest job I'd ever had. I was working at, like, a social media agency for a year. And I've, like... I'd never worked in one place for a year before. And Mm. I was just, like, "Mm, no. Like, I (laughs) I was really... I just wasn't... I wasn't good at it. I wasn't... No, I wasn't good at it. I was good at my job. I just didn't enjoy it. And I really struggled. And I struggled to be focused. And I struggled to just, like you know, just feel satisfied at the end of a working day. Like it just all, I just, I was really having a hard time. And then obviously lockdown happened and then I was working from home and I was just struggling even more. And I just was like, this is not good for me. And like during that time, when I was like finding it really hard, I was just reading online about just what I was experiencing and like if it was normal and what was like in my brain and stuff and I kind of started to come across other black women talking about their experiences of ADHD and so then it made me think oh okay cool maybe this is something that like is something I identify with 100% and now I I'm like, I kind of have the language to explain what I'm going through. And I kind of explained to my manager and, you know, he was really nice and he, they paid for my diagnosis. Um, and then I got my ADHD diagnosis and I, I was like, wow, this is just such a, like, a, I guess I just finally had the words to explain what I was going through and could really detail what it was I was experiencing. And, um, it, for me anyway, it was just, it, it, it gave me a lot of perspective that I was mm-hmm. like, okay, the structures I've been forcing myself into don't work for me. And it's a reason why I've been struggling for so long. And so after I got my diagnosis, I was like, do you know what? Like, I feel like I need to just start life again. I feel mm-hmm. like I need to 
start life again. So I like left my job at the agency and they were really nice. They were like, look, now you've got your diagnosis. Like we can figure out ways to work with you. They were, they was the best place I ever worked. And yeah. it was the best place I ever worked because I was, I was annoying AF. I was just like, I was the worst. I was the worst employee ever. They had so much patience and love. Oh, and that's so good. I will never, I'll never forget that. Like I will yeah. never forget that. Um, and then, yeah, but then I quit and I moved into my grandma's conver- converted garage. And I was just like in this like tiny little, like little, it's like, a, it wasn't, you know, just garage is really long, yeah, yeah. long, narrow room. And I was just there and I was like, okay, I need to start my life again. And I need to figure out what it is that I want to do. And I need to figure out the skills that I do have and how they can help me along my way, basically. And yeah, for me, it was such a transformative moment because then that's when I kind of really got into freelancing. It's also when I, um, I'd like started properly solo traveling. Cause I mm-hmm. remember even before the pandemic, I think I was trying to travel a lot. I always wanted to travel with other people. Like I didn't have like a long-term partner. I could travel with whatever. My friends were either busy or broke. Schedules weren't aligning. Duh, 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 duh. It was never happening. And I kind of felt like I was just sitting, I was like a passenger in my own life and yeah. things were happening. And I just always felt a bit like behind. And I was like, what, like nothing is moving for me because I kept relying on other people but I think like the isolation from the pandemic made me realize oh okay cool like I can actually do stuff by myself Mm -hmm. I can be on my own I really like my own company and so yeah during that period I I went and I worked for a month from Lisbon um I'd never been there before I didn't know anything about Lisbon yeah I was just like I don't know anything about this place I don't speak the language I was just like I need to go somewhere I need to go mm-hmm. for an extended period of time. And because I was freelance, I could do that. And that was like a transformative experience for me. And I just continued to show, solo travel since then. This year, I did a month in Brazil, which was absolutely incredible. And like, I've just really kind of, it just changed things for me. And I think just giving myself that freedom and giving myself the position to like, take a step back basically in order to take a step forward. It's hard, you know, you feel like everyone's moving on with their lives and doing yeah. amazing. And here's me like quitting my job, moving in with my grandma, being like, who am I? What do I want to do? Like what's going on with my life? But it's like, it was such a necessary thing for me to do everything I'm doing in life now. Yeah. I mean, wow. So you've kind of got two moments in one here. So I'm going to discuss the ADHD. No, no, it's good. We're going to discuss the ADHD in a minute, but let's go back to kind of like the freelance and quitting your job. Because as you say, I think sometimes the thing we find scariest is not, we know we've made a decision inside us that we want to do something, but it's sometimes like, what are other people going to say? I'm going to tell them I've quit my job. They're going to be like, what the hell are you doing? And when you make these decisions, like, how do you kind of process them? And do you get advice from people? Were you scared to tell people? Because you obviously you had to go move in with your grandma. Like, how did that all play for you? I don't know. I feel like I'm quite steadfast in my decision making. Like mm-hmm. I knew what I wanted to do at the time as well. Like I, I like I was had a few more freelancing gigs as well, and I was also like freelancing and trying to work at the same time. And so like I was like I was like, do you know what? Even though I'm probably I don't know if I'm gonna have a stable, secure income, but yeah. I know I can make some money because I'm I'm ha- I have all these freelance gigs, writing whatever it is. I started doing a lot more like content on Instagram, like the whole like influencer a kind of stuff but like not like product stuff but it was a lot of like um what's it called a lot of like working with like like dating apps and stuff because I used to write about love and you know all that kind of so things that aligned with me well that I was like maybe if I hunker down on this I can you know do something great um and so I think even when I made my decision my dad was like very cool about it I think like my whole life my my parents will know they will be notified 
Yeah. But like, they won't always be consulted. Like, sometimes I'll have to, I'll be like, mm, what do you guys think about this? But 98% of the time, like, I'm going to make a decision and I'm going to let you know. And I think my, my parents were like, like, you trust me. Like, you, yeah. you do, you do you. You always do you. So that's what you're going to do. And like, they kind of were just like, cool, like, you're going to make it work. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, like, it was, it, that was it. And I guess that's just kind of the way you are and the way you do things. And do you remember, do you remember kind of the spark moment when you were like, I'm actually going to do this? Because obviously they were trying to make you stay. And sometimes then we can kind of, you know, be like, am I doing the right thing? But do you, do you get like a real gut feeling? Do you get like a spark in your brain? How do you know kind of that's the decision that you want to make? I think because I play it out in my head a lot and I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, cool. If I do this and this will happen, if I do this and this will happen, da, 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 da. and I kind of knew that I had the assurance of like living at my grandma's house and I wasn't going to go broke or I wasn't going to go homeless. And because I had those assurances, it was kind yeah. of easy to make the decision. And I just felt like this, this is, I knew I was unhappy. I knew I wasn't happy. And that's what fueled it the most for me. And I didn't want to sit in like the sadness. I hate that stuff. I don't like moping. I don't like woe is me. Like Mm -hmm. if I'm feeling something and I'm feeling sad, I'm like, how do we deal with this? Like you're in control of changing that emotion. Yeah. I'm like, how do we, how do we deal with this? And I, and I think for me, because I always want to be kind of like solution oriented, it's like, I just make a decision because mm-hmm. making a decision is better than sitting in it. Because I know if I'm doing the same thing I've always done and I'm so sad, this decision probably can't make it any worse. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's so probably true. not going to be worse. So it, it, I have to start somewhere and that's yeah. kind of how I, how I feel about things. I just, I, I, I always tell people like, just make the decision, like just make the decision, just do the thing. And whatever happens next happens next. And I kind of, even when I solo travel, I'm like, I'm just going to fly to this country I've never been to before where I don't know a single person and then I'm going to figure out what happens next. Because you have to just be like that sometimes. Yeah, but it makes you realise the power that you do have within yourself and that you can take control. And I loved when before when you described that you were feeling like you were a passenger in your own life. I mean, I feel like this all the time. But do you think that, you know, things really changed for you going freelance do you think it really did open up this whole new kind of mindset for you as you said you went solo traveling like how much changed for you just from making that that momental decision so much because I think it obviously changed my mindset I kind of felt like I have have to be a bit more kind of like um self-assured I have to be Mm -hmm. more dependable I have to have to be there for myself if I don't get up and work I'm not getting any money. So I, I, I then have to become a lot more like, okay, Shante, you need to be on it, which I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not always like that. I flop all the time. I can be really bad with deadlines. I can be really bad at chasing people up, following emails, like leaving stuff to the last minute. Like it didn't remove all those things for me, but I think I just felt more of a pressure to like really deliver for myself. Yeah. Um, and so that was a huge thing as well. And, but even in, in terms of like mat- my material reality, like having to, like being able to just like, you know, work from wherever and travel and like meet new people and drum up new ideas and, and like figure learn more about what it means to exist online. Like what other things can I do? Okay, cool. I can write and I you know can say funny stuff, but I, you know, I can host a podcast. Mm-hmm. I can, you know, host an online show for a streaming service. I can write articles, but I can also write columns. Like I write about money for Chase. I write about relationships for ITV's Woo platform. 
form on top like writing essays writing books like I just it opened up my mind for what I could yeah. do my skill set whereas when I'm working in this one place I'm using this one skill I have to do this one thing and then it makes me feel like I don't have any other skills but it's like freelancing made me realize oh girl you've got skills because yeah. if, you, if you want to make money then you're gonna do this thing and you're gonna do it well and good and so then you just realize okay crap I've actually been limiting myself I've been able to do so much more where do I go next from here so that that's kind of what it was like for me Oh my God, I, everyone needs to be more like you. I love it. And I guess like when we really think about the what if then, so, you know, the what if you had stayed in that job and not gone freelance, because also I'm thinking like all of the people you've met when you've been traveling, like, you know, it's not just the jobs. Like, do you ever think about what happens if you hadn't have gone freelance and how different your life would have been? Oh yeah, I think I would have been miserable. I would have been miserable. I wouldn't be as far along as I am now. I think I would have, I don't, I, yeah, I just... In some some instances, I'm like, mm, maybe I would have felt like I had more security yeah. because there's something about knowing, like, d- didn't matter how big or small my paycheck was because, you know, it was sustaining me to, you know, live in a flat share with two other girls and, you know, have somewhat of a life. But it was like, it, it's just like, I think that's the only thing that I imagine mm-hmm. being very different. I don't think I would be making much more money. I don't, I don't know if I'd be further along. Also because I'm unbothered. Like one thing about yeah. me, I just, I just, don't, I don't care about stuff that much. Like I don't have much of an attachment to anything, yeah. not even a job. So it's like if I was in that position, I, I, I probably wouldn't have even been at the job much longer. I, if I yeah. was gonna, I would have quit and maybe gone somewhere else. But I just, yeah, I, I just, I can't imagine it being any better than it is now. Even though That's now so is great. But no it's but like, it's and that's why it's good to like reflect back sometimes because you know nothing's ever perfect and life isn't perfect all the time but when you look yeah. back you're enjoying your life so much more now and it's not even that it's opened up your mind you've met amazing people along the way you've traveled and it, I think you always would have got there somehow but I think it's always yeah. the timing that it happens especially after lockdown and going into your next moment then you did mention it before so your ADHD diagnosis now this is such a life-changing moment and something that's getting a lot more I think exposed in society now and talked about a lot more which is so good so do you want to explain a little bit more then you kind of mentioned it before but how you came to really get this diagnosis and and what changed in your life yeah so I think for me it's really interesting because I didn't really have the language I didn't really know much about ADHD beyond the fact that it was like kind of like hyperactive white boys like that was always the kind of and like young people like like kids at school yeah yeah you don't really think about it as an adult but it's like when I like I used to follow this I still follow this girl on Twitter called Steph and she was talking a lot about her journey of getting an ADHD diagnosis and the things that she noticed in herself and the issues that she had and it's like reading her stuff made me think like oh crap like this is exactly how I feel you know getting bored really kind of easily job hopping and like this like never being able to like fully be still of course there's like you know difficulty with like concentration but like difficulty regulating emotions difficulty showing up not only for yourself but for others like finding it hard to be like present you know all this kind of like like constantly having energy but like not always being able to expend it so ultimately just feeling really tired like all of that kind of stuff. And I was just like, gosh, I really do relate to this. I relate to this particularly in the workplace. I, it's just like, I was like, okay, cool. This is, looks like something I should look into. So I kind of, basically the whole thing was with ADHD diagnosis, like the wait lists are 
so 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 oh, long yeah. and so my employer was like obviously this is something that you think is really concerning you like what if we just they paid for me to do it privately which was like bro, like honestly that company shout out them man how they, did you how did you approach them though initially to say that this is what you thought was kind of wrong because it's a hard discussion to kind of have with someone it is yeah but do you know what they were just really nice <laughs> they're the dream company <laughs> they were so, honestly they were just so nice about it like I just feel like gosh I, I always want to I was if there's anything I could ever do for them I'm like please hit me up guys because yeah. the way I like will ride and die for you because it was just like without these people I just honestly they extended me so much grace and I kind of just said it because I was like do you know what you're noticing that I'm struggling yeah. I'm noticing that I'm struggling like it's not this big elephant in the room like I know I know I'm being so crap like yeah and you're I taking charge of it. being yeah exactly. exactly that's the thing and that's that is what I'm like like I know there's something wrong I don't want to dwell in it I'm like what is the solution because like, I was like my brain is I can't I can't do anything I'm struggling to even just work period yeah um and so yeah I kind of brought up to them they're like cool we'll pay for your diagnosis they did the diagnosis and the thing no one talks about this yet because I'm, there's always so much stuff I was like everyone's getting diagnosed with ADHD these days blah, 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 blah. they make it seem like you just go to your doctor and you're like I have ADHD and then they they give you some pills Woo, let me tell you something. It's not like that at all. One of the most kind of harrowing things about an ADHD diagnosis is the fact that like your colleagues and your friends and family have to fill out surveys about you. Um, And it is, do you know what? Even though I knew, I knew what it was going to, what it would say, but it's still still hard hard, to read, right? Because it'll be like, you know, even though Shantae is like, you know, very kind of like bright and able she often is like really last minute with deadlines or she and struggles do you see what they say about you yeah yeah I mean you don't yeah. have to look at it but I'm obviously nosy oh well. I definitely would have looked yeah so I read it and it was like but it, it it was validating in the sense that okay cool like I know I'm not being crazy I know because yeah. the questions are very tailored specifically to like does the person show these traits if they have ADHD like and so it it was just a bit like okay cool yeah this is something that this is something that I am um, I really kind of struggle like I, I struggle with and and I'm noticing it and they're noticing it and I'm reading their responses and it's, it's not mean they mean it in a loving way of because course. they obviously want they want me to be better so I can be better for them and mm-hmm. so they kind of like yeah fill out the survey about you and you read it back and you're like oh my gosh and then you meet with this like physician and they talk about your family history your school history everything they dig deep into like you as a person your psyche what you struggle with how you regulate your like all this stuff is so so it's a very like emotionally just like overbearing process mm-hmm. where you're having to really give your all and and talk about the things that you know you didn't even clockwork issues or you didn't think related to this diagnosis and so then I obviously got my diagnosis and then there are different ways to do with ADHD like some people are medicated some you know some people aren't medicated some people do therapies everyone has a different way of dealing with things I decided to go down the medication route but I was also doing therapy and I also had ADHD coaching as well like all together to kind of help me better manage like my life and and part of quitting my job was also giving myself space to figure out how my brain worked yeah because I I know these things don't work for me so what does like how do I how do I make this work for me in, in some way how do I like analyze myself and really understand what it is that makes me tick what gets me working when do I have low energy because the thing with ADHD more than it's like oh you can't concentrate it's about managing your energy there are periods of 
time where you have lots of energy and you can do those arduous tasks. There are periods of time where you don't and you need to do things that are easy. There are times where you can't do anything. So you do nothing. Do you know what I mean? And I think that that's what helps Knowing you to become an effective person because you now can manage that stuff properly. And like getting yeah. my ADHD diagnosis made me aware of those things and made me like, okay, cool. So this is how, this is why I feel this way or I, because of this or because of that, or I can't do this. And so it's like, it's a lot, it's a lot, but it, did, it, it works. Yeah. And did you feel a sense of relief that how you were, all those things you were probably thinking about for years and years and years, did you feel a sense of relief that, oh, okay, it makes sense now. And did that almost kind of help with, you know, understanding what it was because you, you know, then that you're not kind of going mad about yourself? Yeah, it did. But it also comes with this huge grief because you're grieving mm. the life, the life you could have had, yeah. had you known you had ADHD earlier. Because yeah. if I, you know, and I always, I always talk about like growing up and like this whole thing of like really struggling to concentrate, but c- confusing concentration with fatigue. So yeah. I used to drink a lot of energy drinks. I used to take a lot of caffeine tablets. Oh, like I yeah. was... I was so probably bad. always one tablet away from a heart attack or something like that because I was just so angry at myself for not focusing. Yeah. And I would just be like, why can't you focus on this thing? Like, well, you know, I'll do a good day of research or revising or whatever. And then, you know, I wouldn't, or I would be really crap at some points of the day. And then I would have loads of energy at some points of the day, it's but like I would so up and down. Yeah. Or I'd expect myself to be working flat out 14 hours in the library because that's what people need to talk about. You know, Oh, I mm. worked for this many hours and I didn't. And you think we all have to be the same. Yeah. And so you're like, wow, I can't do anything. I can't do anything. But then you kind of realize, okay, this is what you were dealing with. And if you were Mm. given the support and the time and all this kind of stuff, you would have flown by it. And that's not to say I didn't do well in school. I did all right. I did fine. But it's like, I could have been so much happier had I got this diagnosis earlier. Because also Mm. when I, when I did raise these sort of concerns and stuff, I remember that my doctor at uni was like, oh, you just have depression. So they put me on like antidepressants, which I was like, okay, this has alleviated my mood slightly, but it's not getting to the root Real. of the issue. Yeah. Um, so that was a big thing too, because a lot of women get misdiagnosed um, with other things because their ADHD doesn't show up in the hyperactive way, whereas yeah. in women it shows up in, in as inattentive ADHD. So that's kind of like dissociating, daydreaming, not really following conversations. Da, da, da. So it can be misread as like depression. It can be misread mm-hmm. as I can be misread as anxiety you know and I had all of those diagnoses and I was like nah this ain't this definitely ain't it it's something else yeah and so I think you then get it and particularly as a black woman as well Mm. most of the representations that we have for ADHD though is white men I didn't think ADHD was something that black people had you know because we wouldn't like it wasn't something that we were ever told about and then there's obviously history of like medical racism so even if I you know did think I had it you know they would have been like oh you know you don't really have it or da, 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 da. like I, there was that fear of not being believed you know that whole thing of like black women more likely to like die during childbirth because doctors don't ever believe that they're actually in pain like mm-hmm. are concerned are not taken seriously and so I think that was probably in part of like why I didn't pursue it as much as I should before and so I was grieving this life that I could have lived had yeah. there not been institutional barriers but also internal barriers as well. Wow, it's so much and it's it's so interesting all the different points you make because if we really think about the sliding doors moment of this whole um, situation, you know, the fact that you saw someone on TikTok talking about it 
is what made you kind of trigger, oh, this could be me. And it really, really shows the power of talking about things and the influence that other people can have on us. Because as you say, in normal society, like ADHD just wasn't a thing. It definitely wasn't a thing in women and black women, like in anyone, like apart from like, I just remember kids at school. It's like a thing that little boys have and they eat loads of sweet. Like I just didn't even know what it was. And I also think what's really interesting is, is the timing of you doing that and telling your employer, because if you did, because as you said, you managed to get this through private medical care and you kind of found out earlier, you know, if you, if you had have gone through, you know, if you'd have done it a different time, not been with that employer, you may have found out a lot later in life. You may have given up on finding out, then you wouldn't have gone freelance. So you really can kind of pinpoint all these things together of like the timing of you really figuring all of this out yourself. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And how much did your life change then? Like you've kind of spoken about it, but did your life, did you change as a person when you found out about this? Like, do you think it did? You know, you said you went through grief, but we also kind of felt a bit of relief, but has it, how's it changed you as a person finding out that you kind of have ADHD? I think it's just made me a lot more self-aware. I think there are things about me that I couldn't really explain. And I just put down to me, being a bad person or being forgetful or being lazy. And there's like a stat, like when, uh, if you're like a young person with ADHD, like you, re- you receive like three times more likely the negative, like three times more negative, like comments about yourself. Mm-hmm. There's so much more you're, cause you're constantly told off for something that is like in like biologically yeah. in your DNA, like, and you're, but you're you being called lazy, you're being called all of these things. And so I think for me, it was a lot of like, okay, cool. Like a lot of like forgiveness, a lot of like, okay, like you didn't do this or you flopped at this or blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, it's fine. Like we move on, we move forward. A yeah. lot of self-soothing. I think the biggest thing that changed about myself is that I just was a lot more, more kinder to myself, a lot yeah. more you know I wasn't forcing myself to do things I wasn't do I mean I was just you know I'm gonna take a lot more care with myself I'm gonna ask for help when I need it I'm a writer I'm not a doctor I'm not a nurse I'm not a paramedic like nothing I do is that important so it's like I had to really be like you know what contextualize your life and realize that you can ask for allowances you can you there are certain things that you can ask for to make your life a hundred percent a hundred percent and if anyone listening kind of feels similar to you what would you say are kind of the first stages or steps they can take to really look into if they have ADHD I think there's so many resources out resources out there like the NHS have a survey psychiatry UK have a survey look at those places obviously speak to your GP and stuff but we know that the wait lists are crazy mm-hmm. a lot of people go through psychiatry UK to get their um, diagnosis quicker because there's less of a waiting list or you know you decide to go and do it privately but maybe you talk to a GP first and then you decide to go privately um, because it is it can be quite costly like even though my uh, job paid for my diagnosis like I paid for all the follow-up afterwards yeah. and so that you know that was a lot of money it was a huge investment mm-hmm. obviously for a good reason but it was just like you know I thank god I was in the position to pay for it yeah. um so I think yeah like do the research there's a good book called like uh, ADHD in women and girls a great book to help really contextualize any sort of issues you may be experiencing as well um and look at things like I think it's called ADD uh attitude magazine they're like an online yeah. platform that's all about adhd and add and like they have some of the best articles best seminars like really 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 good to like devour all of that content too 
Oh, great. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for being so open because I think it's really important to talk about these things. And going on to your last moment, which I really love, um, is living alone. So yeah. as a fellow person that lives on her own and has done for a long, long time, I oh. love this moment. So explain why is this such a sliding doors moment for you? Kind of what made you live alone and why does it kind of changed and shaped your life? Um, I think it's because I needed to move out of my grandma's. Like, I love my grandma so much, but I think I realised that, like, I needed to just be on my own. I needed to exist in my own space. I needed to exist on my own terms. I needed to do all the weird ADHD things I needed in my own home. And, you know, it wasn't always going to work for my grandma. Like, every plate needed to be washed up immediately. No this, no that. <laughs> Why do you have people over? Why are you and that doesn't all- have to happen in your right. own house. If you want to leave your plates for a few days, May. you're allowed to... You know what I mean? Like, I needed that. I needed it for my brain, for my well-being, for my own sense of, like... I love my grandma so much. She's the best thing ever. But I was like, I really just need... I need this... I need just... I need to live on my own. And also, I I feel like, for me, it changed a lot, particularly when it came to dating. Because I definitely felt like I wanted to date people that had their own places or, you know, lived with friends or whatever, because I wanted somewhere to escape to. I wanted somewhere else to go. I wanted somewhere else to have privacy. Um, And so when I lived on my own, I was like, oh, suddenly I stopped yearning for people who like clearly weren't good people, but just like had their own dig. So, (laughs) you know, that changed a lot for me as well. And it was just like, yeah, living alone, like being able to just like really explore myself like Mm -hmm. break down my feelings whenever I needed to cry if I needed to like do this if I wanted to like I just needed the space to just exist on my very own which I just hadn't really been able to do apart from when I went to Lisbon because I obviously went by myself and I lived by myself in Lisbon and I was like damn I was like I need this by hook or by crook I need to be living alone and so I managed to find like a really really cheap one bed like I live quite far out like I'm like end of the Piccadilly line so I'm like kind of far but honestly it's it's worth it just the life that I have yeah and we all have to balance things up and it sounds like that you know when you went freelance and you had your diagnosis it kind of was the catalyst for a lot of kind of these big life-changing moments for you and um and also it's like, you know, the pressure when you live with someone when you're certain ages is like, oh, what if I want to bring a boy home? You know, there's just, uh, oh, I want to get back at this time. Then sometimes you just feel like you need that release to, as you say, to kind of be on your own. But sometimes it is hard to live on your own. Do you think there is that balance of like, you know, the good and the bad? A hundred percent. I think sometimes it can feel quite lonely. It can feel mm-hmm. quite isolating. You know, sometimes if I'm unwell, I'm like, God damn, like, I wish I had someone to take care of me now because I'm going to have to drag myself to the shop. I to know, go. it's so hard. Or at least we've got like delivery and stuff yeah, now that we can get I mean? things like, yeah. done. <laughs> um, that can be quite difficult as well. You're always bloody tidying. You're always going to the shop. Like it, it is a lot. It's a huge expense. And it's like, I wouldn't give it up for the world. But mm-hmm. I, I do know it does come with its, its downsides. But I think for me, even living on my own meant that I could do more I could have my friends over more I could cook dinner you're for in everyone. control of your social yeah, life you know what yeah. I mean? yeah so and it, it made me more social because I had a space because not you know loads of my friends I always say that to people yeah yeah so they my home automatically becomes the hub that we all congregate at and I love it because I absolutely love hosting people so I'm always like to my friends everyone come back to mine come back to mine I'll, like you know I love I love so much so that my friends would be like if we're gonna go to, if we go to Shantae she's gonna start hosting because I love it I love being able <laughs> yeah. to have community and it's probably made me a better friend and it's probably given my friends you know a better experience of me also like in a cost of living crisis it's not every day 
go out for drinks, go out to eat, spend money going out, 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 out. How about everyone just comes to mine and yeah. you bring a bottle of whatever's in your cupboard and you don't spend any money and we have a nice evening. Do you know what I mean? So it's just yeah. like, it's been good that way to foster community without it being spendy for people. Yeah, I love that fostering community. And I think as well, one thing that I always really appreciate about living on my own is, is that I mean, if you have a really great day and you come home, you're very in control of your emotions. I think someone said you're in control as you're in thermostat in the house. So like if you come back and as you say, you've had a crap day, you just want to cry and sit in front of the TV, you can, you don't have to worry about housemates, you have to worry about a partner. (laughs) And similarly, if you're in a good mood and you came back and someone wasn't in a good mood, I think it's a very good way to, I think, understand your emotions and be able to live through them. Yeah, exactly. Because I think it's like, when you're with other people and around other people, you're you're kind of performing all the time. Do you know what I mean? Like you kind mm-hmm. of you're never really being yourself because you have to always perform the good housemate, perform the good friend, perform the good child or whatever. And so it's like when you can actually be your authentic self, like it's really interesting. I don't know, sometimes when I'm sitting with myself, like what comes up in my mind, what yeah. things I react emotionally to, what things I find funny. I feel like I'm learning more about myself because I'm in a space where I'm like, I don't have to perform for anyone. I can just yes. be um so yeah and it's your control when you want to be that performer when you want to be the host that's when you can invite people around and go out and do stuff and do you ever think about how different you would be as a person and life would be if you had either stayed living with your grandma or even moved in with flatmates like do you think about not having this space for yourself um I only think about it in the sense that like it would be so nice to split a bill with someone (laughs) yes I always think gosh if I was half in this rent I know I know if I was harking these bills, especially when everything went up in April, my birthday, I was like, wow, wow. No, no more fun for me. Yeah, ever. And so like, I always do think, oh, like I would probably have saved a lot more, pocketed a bit more cash, could have put more towards a deposit, blah, 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 if I was doing that stuff. But obviously it's a sacrifice that you make. And I, I really needed to be by myself. Mm-hmm. I really needed it for my mental health, for my well-being. It was so imperative. Like it wasn't even, it wasn't even a, a choice. It was like, yeah. I have to live to on my own. This, I don't yeah. care if every penny that I earn has to go to my rent. I need to be in my own space because I will absolutely flourish. But I just, I just need to get, and it was, I almost felt like I manifested it for myself. It was essential. And I, I do think, yeah, I'd, I definitely have more money if I was sharing with people. And I know that, that is the thing. And sometimes I worry, you know, that because I'm not saving loads, you know, everyone's going to, you know, move out of home and then buy their own places and I'm going to be stuck renting forever. So I have so much anxiety around that. But I just don't think I'm going to change it. Yeah, but also, as you said earlier on, it's what's right for you now and nothing is forever. And, you know, you sometimes, I think there's, I don't own somewhere, but I put my happiness before that because I love where I live and it's Mm. right for me right now. Maybe one day I will own somewhere, maybe I won't. But if you're kind of, if this is what feels right for you now, then it's the right thing to do and it's not forever. And mm-hmm. maybe one day someone can come along and help us split the bills. But that's, yeah, that's a conversation yeah. for another time. Um, yeah, Oshante, oh, thank you so much for joining me today. I've loved hearing about your moments. I really appreciate you being so open and honest with us. Um, and yeah, just really excited to see kind of where you go and what you do with everything. So thank you so much. Thank you. No, thank you for having me. It's been such a good chat. Oh, thanks, Shante. Hey. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sliding Doors. If you've enjoyed our chat and found it inspiring, I would love it if you could rate, review, share and subscribe. Thank you so much.
to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.